0: Would you to, turn with me, please? We're in uh, the book of Revelation. And we are just rushing right through this thing, I know. I, I've, we're we're going to pick up the pace, I, 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 uh, I promise you. But I want to talk to you about what is today's kind of theme, not, not really planned, but how Anthony and the group put together our worship. And it was all about exalting the Lord. We... we we sang about exalting him, and, and that's the privilege we're going to have one of these days in heaven itself. It'll probably be one of the greatest privileges that we will have for eternity, and that is exalting the wonderful and awesome name of our Lord. I want to say, shout to the Lord, all the earth, and it's, oh gosh, I, I never can remember words of songs. I'm terrible, terrible, terrible at it. Wrote some of them down so that I could maybe even remember them. But it says this, look, Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. Power and majesty, praise to the King. Mountains bow down. Seas will roar. Just at the sound of His name. In Revelation chapter 11, we are now at the end of the prelude, at the end of the interlude, at the end of the pause, between chapters 10 and 11. Now, um, Truly, all hell is going to break loose. Hell will be opened up uh, the bold judgments will, will will fall on the on the earth, and they will come in just rapid, rapid order. The second woe it says in verse fourteen has passed. Behold the third woe is coming quickly. It says in verse fifteen that the seventh angel sounded. And then there rose loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. He will reign forever and ever. The 24 elders who sit on the thrones, that's us before God. Most commentaries will tell you that they believe that we the church are the elders. The 24 elders who sit on the thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God saying, We give you thanks O Lord God, the Almighty, who art and who was, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. It goes on to say that the nations were enraged, and your wrath came, and the time came for the dead to be judged, the time to give their reward to the bondservants, the prophets and to the saints, to those who fear your name, small and the great. And to destroy those who destroy the earth. The last verse says the temple of God which is in heaven was opened. And the ark of his covenant appeared in his temple. And there were flashes of lightning, sounds and peals of thunder and an earthquake and a great hailstorm. It just, it just demonstrates for us to read the power and the mighty and the majesty of God. Father, would you please open our eyes to behold wonderful things from your law? Would you please, dear Father, as you see fit fit, to teach us today, move me aside so that all that you would like to teach each of us individually might take place. I pray, Father, your blessings upon this time. As you did the last two services we had, would, would this one be, Father, just similar in that respect, that there would be a a sense of your presence and, and you would teach us, Father. Thank you so, so much, Lord, that you are so gracious to us. All these eight years that we've been open, Father, you've allowed us to, to gather together and worship your holy and righteous name. We can never thank you enough, Father. And so we do so as best we know how. We just simply say, Lord, thank you. Have mercy on us And may we glorify your holy and majestic name, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Now, let's take a look at what we have to to study here. What we have seen at this particular juncture is the two witnesses that, that God had placed on this earth all of a sudden were killed. The beast that came up out of the abyss killed them. And the people saw them lying in the street for three and a half days. They didn't didn't give the dignity of a burial. And people were rejoicing, exchanging gifts with one another because of these two who they said in verse 10, tormented, tormented those who dwelled upon the earth. That meant unbelievers. It's amazing, torment. Basically what they were doing was sharing Christ with them. They were telling them they needed to repent of their sins and come to trust and believe in Jesus Christ. Torment. Torment. You know, people of God have been persecuted throughout history for telling people to repent of sin, to come to trust in Jesus Christ. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you then best realize that the world is no friend to those of us who want to walk with Jesus Christ. But God says, as we learned last week out of the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter, 38th verse, He says the world is not worthy of those who walked with Him. I, it's a paraphrase. But th- basically, that's ex- what He says. Those who, who represented Him, those who lived for Him, He said the world was not worthy of them. And I hope us. Well, in verses 11, 12, and 13, God brings these two witnesses back to life. They stood on their feet, and we are told that the breath of, the breath of God came into them, and God, with a loud voice, said to them, Come up here into heaven. I meant to read, read to you last week. I want to read with you now Paul's reassuring words to you and me who know the Lord of how he is going to care for us when it comes that time for us to be with Him in heaven. Paul says in Romans chapter, chapter 8, verses 10 and 11, If Christ is in you, though your body is dead because of sin, your spirit is alive because of righteousness. That, that is the righteousness that we have of Jesus Christ. Paul goes on to say in verse 11: If the spirit of him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you, then he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells within you. That's a great, great couple of verses. Remember last week we we, we mentioned out of Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6 where, where Zechariah said it's not by might nor is it by strength but it is by my spirit, saith the Lord. Your ability to have life, what keeps you and me alive today, tomorrow and yes forever is not our strength or our might. It's his spirit that lives within us. Well with that in Revelation chapter 11 there was a a great earthquake and and a a tenth of the city fell and 7,000 people were killed all at one time. But very interestingly it says the rest were terrified and gave glory to God. What we did this morning, praising His name. But it's very interesting that that they were terrified and, and 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 some gave glory to God. Well, in James chapter 2, verse 19, we are told this. James says very clearly, You believe God is one? Let me add two words. Big deal. He says, You do well. The demons also believe, and they shudder. You see, it's one thing to be frightened and say, Oh, God, help me. But it's totally another thing to take that, that fear... And turn it into respect and love of God. And to place your faith firmly in Him and Him alone. Then, and then only, will you find true salvation. True peace. Well, it appears in verse 13. And I say appears. We're not certain, although I I love to believe this. There is a remnant of some who have trusted and repented over what the two witnesses or the 144,000 Jews or, or whomever, maybe one of their loved ones who have come to Christ, there is a remnant of some who wanted to give God glory, who had come to trust and believe in the, in the God of our heaven. You see, giving God glory is a normal mark of genuine repentance I want to show you what I want to build this whole message around. And it's about some lepers that that came to trust in Christ in the the book of Luke. Would you hold your place here? And would you find with me Luke chapter 17? Matthew, the first book in in the New Testament. Mark and then Luke. Luke chapter 17. We want to talk about giving God glory. Some were terrified... And yet some gave glory to the God of heaven, we learn, in and during the tribulation period. This is important, I think. It's reassuring. Giving God glory, as I mentioned just a moment ago, is a normal mark of genuine repentance. Out of respect, in in Revelation chapter 4, just hold your place in Luke chapter 17. I'll be there in a second. In Revelation chapter 4, verse 9, it says, When the living creatures gave glory and honor and thanks to Him who sit on the throne. To Him who lives forever and ever. That's true, genuine respect and glory. True salvation. On the other hand, in Revelation chapter 16, as we're going to learn in time, when people became so enraged with God, so deep in their hatred of them, that nothing would change their mind, but they turned around and blasphemed the God of heaven. It says in Revelation 16:9, men were scorched with fierce heat, yet and still they blasphemed the name of God, and they did not repent so as to give Him glory. Now I ask you please to turn to Luke chapter 17. It's such a beautiful, beautiful story. Jesus Christ and the disciples were, were passing on their way to Jerusalem. Look at verse 11 of chapter 17 of the book of Luke. And they were passing between Samaria and Galilee, it says in verse 11. As Jesus Christ entered a certain village, ten leprous men stood at a distance and met with him met him. They raised their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now by this point in our life of our Lord, his reputation was so amazing that that people knew that if he just by his word said so, you would be healed. And so these ten lepers come to him in this city and see him walking towards them. They meet him there and they say, Master Jesus, Have mercy on us. It says that he said to them when he saw them, in verse 14, Go, he said, and show yourselves to the priests. It came about, in verse 14, that as they were going away, they were cleansed. Verse 15, Now one of them, one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, note, glorifying God, With a loud voice. He then, in verse 16, fell on his face at Jesus Christ's feet, giving him thanks. It simply said he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? The nine, where are they? Was no one found? who turned back to give glory to God except this foreigner? This foreigner gives me glory? And so he said to him, Rise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. The, real, the rendering of that which is more correct says your faith has saved you. He stopped to give him glory. I want to stop and I want us to think as we go into this message. I think I already know the answer for most of us here. We're the one of the ten. We're the one who have stopped in in the busyness of our day to come and to give glory to the Lord our God. To give him thanks for what he has done for us, what he means to us who He is within our lives. I mean, regardless of, of how you're feeling, regardless of, of what is swirling around you, you and I have taken this time to stop and to give Him glory. I would encourage you as a way of life to make this a practice. I mean, not just on Sunday. I've, For what it's worth, and, and, and this and, and, and the lint in this pocket, all it's worth, a lot of (laughs) lint. For whatever it's worth. I've tried to make it a practice that I just don't get up out of bed. When I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do is thank the Lord for this coming day. And I simply ask Him, look, I kind of talk to Him like this. If if you can use me today, man, so be it. I'd love to be used. I mean, just have this conversation kind of with Him. And then my wife and I, we, as we go about our way, whether we stop and have a bite to eat, we just give him thanks. If, if, if It's always thinking, always coming back, always being that one that wants to come back and glorify his holy and righteous name. If you leave this, this service this morning with nothing else, I pray that you would leave with, with that mindset. To be the one of the ten. It's interesting that Jesus says, wasn't, wasn't there 10? Where are the other guys? Where are the other nine? There's so many of, of people who have come to Christ but have kind of just gone their way. And for whatever reason, for whatever reason, we've stopped to be that one to come back and to glorify His name. I want us to think about that as we go through this message. Would you turn back with me now to the book of Revelation? And would you look with me as we kind of see a very sobering warning in verse 14. The second woe is past. The third one's coming, but it says it's coming, verse 14, quickly. The word quickly there is T-A-C-H-U in the Greek. It means soon. It means in rapid order. Now you need to know something. The seventh trumpet is going to sound in the 15th verse. But the action from that trumpet will not take place until the 16th chapter. We still have to go through chapter 12, 13, 14, and 15 to set the stage for what's going to happen in chapter 16. And, and if you have time, I would ask you to take a look at chapter 16 sometime this, today or this week to see how the, 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 the judgments fall. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one right after another. They come quickly, or as the Bible would seem to indicate, in quick order. And what they are going to do, these last seven judgments that come to this earth are going to usher in the return of Jesus Christ and His kingdom. What we have learned now is that it is over with. Satan is done. There is going to be an uprising, but for all intents and purposes, it's over with. Back in chapter 10, and verse 7, it says, In the day of the voice of the seventh angel, when he was about to sound, then the mystery of God is finished, it says. Likewise, in chapter 15, and verse 1, just before we get into the 16th chapter, John says, I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, he said. Seven angels who had seven plagues, which are the last, because in them the wrath of God is finished. It's over with. Although the seventh trumpet sounds in this 15th verse, the judgments that come with it will not come until the 16th chapter. God seems to want to do some business between chapters 12 and 15 before we get into those judgments. And so when the seventh angel sounds his trumpet, read with me verses 15, 16, and 17 again. It said, when the, 15th, when the seventh angel sounded his trumpet, in verse 15, there came loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. He will reign forever and ever. Then in verse 16, the 24 elders, most believe that's the church that has been raptured in heaven, the 24 elders, the church who sits on their throne before God, fell on our faces to worship God. And we said, as verse 17 tells us, we give you thanks, O Lord God, the Almighty, who are and who was, because you have given your great power and you have begun to reign Heaven explodes at this moment in time with joy and worship because Satan's power is forever broken. Jesus Christ from now on will reign supreme. He will reign supreme as King of kings and Lord of lords. Why such joy? It's not over yet. We still have to go through chapters 12, 13, 14, 15 and get into chapter 16 when these these judgments fall upon the earth. Why such joy? Simple. Because the tense of the verb in verse 15 has become, is in the, trust me, I studied, proleptic aorist tense. I have no idea what that means. Except, I know what it means by why I studied it. It means that it is a future event that is so certain that it can be spoken of as if it has already taken place. In other words, just as chapter 10 and chapter 15 informs us, it is finished. It is over and done with. It is so certain. It is as if it has already taken place. And so heaven explodes with this joy and worship. If you remember the opening of the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for a half an hour. Chapter 8, verse 1. But not now. No, here, in chapter 15, there is great joy in heaven because it is finished. You know, it's, it's really interesting. This is just a little sidebar. I want you to think about it. Jesus Christ now has taken over the the whole world. It says so in, in, in this verse. Let's take a look and, and see if I can find it real quickly. It says... Uh, they fell on their feet. They worshipped Him. Um, look, it says in verse 15, the, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord. Do you remember back when Jesus Christ walked the earth? Way back. And, 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 and He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And then, and then Satan took Him into the wilderness and tempted Him, if you remember. And, and he, he offered Him The kingdom of this world, it says in Luke chapter 4, verses 5, 6, 7, and 8, listen. Satan led Jesus up, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in one moment in time. And then Satan said to him, I will give you all of this and its glory. Because he says it has been handed over to me and I can give it to whomever I wish, Satan told our Lord. You must worship me, though, he said. And Jesus Christ says, no, it is written that you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Well, what was offered to Jesus Christ then is now his for real. It is now all his. And what we learn from that is that God teaches us another wonderful lesson through his life. That in his perfect time, God's best will come to all of us who wait upon the Lord. In Romans 8.28 it says, God causes all things, all things, all things in your life and my life to work together for good to those of us who love Him and are called according to His purpose. In other words, according to His timing, His care for you. And in verse 15, the use of the singular term, the kingdom, not the kingdoms, but the kingdom of the world introduces a very important truth, and it is this. All of the world's diversity that you and I experience today was never supposed to be. Our national diversity, our political, cultural, religious, all of that which we experience today in reality was really only supposed to be one. One kingdom, all under one reign, one rule, one king, Jesus Christ. You see, in reality, that is, in a nutshell, that's the theme of the book of Revelation. That, that it is the, the revelation of Jesus Christ, and we see how he triumphs over evil. Good overcomes evil. Our Lord purges evil from this world, and Jesus Christ becomes the single holy ruler of this world. And you, 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 and me, we know Him. He's our Savior. He is our Lord and Savior and one day we will be with him in heaven and we will be able to fall on our faces before him and worship him and give him glory can you imagine it is beyond imagination to me it is one of the greatest privileges that God can i have no idea what all heaven's going to be like i have no idea except i want to praise the lord Maybe by then I won't just lip-sync. You know I don't sing most of the song. You don't want to hear my voice. But then maybe I'll be able to really worship and praise Him. That's the theme of this great book we've studied. Yes, it is finally finished. There is just one kingdom. There is just one King. And so we see ourselves in heaven in verse 16. If, if in truth the 24 elders is the church, as most believe, then we fall on our faces and we worship the Lord and we praise His three attribute, attributes. In verse 17, we say, Our Lord, our God, the Almighty. That describes His eternal powers. We call Him the one who, who is, it says, who are and who were we express our, our trust and our belief in his eternal existence, that he was and is and forever will be, that he had no beginning nor end, that he has existed from eternity past, and he will exist from now and forevermore, and we with him. And thirdly, we, we say he has taken his great power and has begun to reign. That is written in the perfect tense. In other words, has taken and has begun signifies His eternal rule. He will rule forever. He has eternal powers. He has eternal existence. And He will eternally rule the heavens and the earth. It is truly finished. Then what takes place in verse 18 is sadly normal. Just the first four words, the nations were enraged. This reveals a stubborn rebellion of mankind that continues right down to the very end, the very core of mankind, those who dwell on the earth, those who have rejected and denied Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The verb translated were engaged or enraged, I should say, suggests that there is a deep-seated, ongoing hostility. Not just a momentarily emotional fit of anger, but an ongoing burning resentment against God. And if you can believe it, when we get to chapter 16, these people who dwell on the earth, who have this burning resentment against God, are going to assemble together to make war against Him. You would think that the, the judgments that are falling on this earth would, would make them repent, but no. You would think it would cause them to turn from their sin. No. You would think that it would cause them to submit to God. No. No, they refused to repent. As Revelation 16, 11 tells us, they blasphemed the God of heaven and they did not repent of their deeds. Yet, in that same verse verse 18 on the other hand our lord is going to reward those who are his bond servants those of us who fear respect his holy and righteous name whether we be a prophet or a saint whether we be great or small it doesn't matter in the book of revelation the end of it the last chapter the 12th verse jesus christ declared behold i'm coming quickly and I am going to bring with me my reward to render to every person according to what they have done. In other words, God has no favorites. He loves all of us who simply trust in Him. And He will reward each of us who serve Him. And the, it says in one of the Gospels, he, he, he looks on favor upon someone who just gives Him a cold cup of water. Or someone just a cold cup of water doesn't ask for a lot. Just that we would be his bondservants. We would fear and respect his holy name. Whether we be a prophet or a saint, whether we be great or small, doesn't matter to our Lord. It says at the end of verse 18, though he will destroy those who destroy the earth. That's not a reference to those who pollute the environment, by the way. It's, it's rather a, a reference to those who pollute the earth through sin. And then in verse 19, he says that there's the temple of God, the Ark of the Covenant, which shows flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder and earthquakes and, and great hailstorm. That shows his power, his authority. In chapter 11, verse 1, it began with John measuring out the temple. Our Lord asked him to measure the temple Chapter 11 closes in verse 19 seeing the true temple in heaven. But truth of the matter is this concerning the the temple of God in heaven. Revelation chapter 21 verse 22 tells us John says, I saw no temple in it. He said, because the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. You see, there's really no need for a temple one day because the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are the ones that we will worship. It is the temple. Let me leave you with this, though. Let us continue to be that one that continually comes back to the Lord. Let us continually be that one that Jesus doesn't have to ask, where is he? Where is she? Were there not more? where are they let us continually be that one whether it be here in church or whether it be in our our everyday lives whether we're out playing around or doing work or being with our family let's be that one that continually comes back to glorify his holy and righteous name if you leave with nothing else that would be enough i think for this morning worship him with your lives i'm going to throw this out i didn't say this at any other service gentlemen those of us who are married best way that you can show your love of god is how you love your wife just love her ladies the best way you can show the honoring the lord is the way you honor your husbands kids to your parents parents to your kids Father in heaven, may we forever be that one who comes back to glorify your holy and righteous name. May we forever be that one. Regardless of what anyone and everyone else might do, may we be that one that honors you. Lord, thank you for this morning. I pray your blessings upon everyone here, please. It is uh, good to see old friends. It is good, Father, to be in the house of the Lord. Bless us, please, and thank you for the eight years, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you all more than life itself. God bless you. Have a great, great day.